Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very late, uh, but a very anticipated episode of Real People Real Coffee. Um, so we're back. We're back. It took us a while. It took us a while. We're well, back. We had a couple of reasons. Valid we had a few. Reasons. We had a few valid reasons. Um, you know, it's just been super crazy, as we've said every episode. But um, Connor, you've been back in the hospital. Yep, back in the hospitals. And we've, very we'll busy. get into that a little bit more later. Yeah. Um, but you know, we also unfortunately um, had a. Uh, a fellow fraternity brother passed away. Fellow fraternity brother passed away. Revis. Uh, Jonathan Revis Magana. Yep. Loved him. And so, um, you know, just wanted to give a little shout out and say that we're, we're praying for his family and his fiance and um, obviously all the guys that were close to him. Totally. Um, so he's in our, his family's in our thoughts and prayers and we'll miss him. But on a much lighter note, we're here again. New episode of Real People, Real Coffee. And today, I'm going to be talking to Connor about your whole experience. You're getting back into work. Yep. Things are back. They're starting up Start, for you again. They're, they're getting there. They're getting there. They're getting there. Uh, well, we got to tell them about why we're not drinking coffee right now. We're not drinking coffee. And it's 530 before, in the Before afternoon. you get furious and feisty and angry, I had purchased, um, for those of you that are into coffee, I purchased a Jura. Ajura is a wonderful coffee maker. Bought it on Amazon, and Amazon shipped me this piece of garbage, trash, pot coffee. I was really trying to up our game here at Real People Real Coffee, and they shipped me a piece of garbage. You know, you take an L sometimes. So we're taking L, and tonight it's Real People Real Wine, and we're drinking uh, a a little red Italian a Chianti Classico. It's very good. It's very good. And you know what's funny? For those of you uh, shop at Costco, this wine, I, I bought it for $7.99, and it actually retails at other stores for 20 bucks. So killer deal. Killer deal. So, uh, yeah, so we're, we're just really, you know, we apologize for a late episode. A lot of things happened this week. A couple of guests weary about coronavirus. We are still going to get them on. Um, so we're going to do a podcast today, and then uh, this is coming out on Wednesday the 20th. Mm-hmm. And then we'll also have another podcast coming out on Saturday the 23rd. So Yeah, and we uh, have a special guest for that one too. Totally. Yeah. So anyways, getting back to the, the conversation. So tell me a little bit about your new job. We've kind of talked about it in yeah. past episodes, but maybe just recap for the listeners. What are you doing currently? You work for a company called Striker. Yep. They're a huge company. Huge company. They're a great company. Great company. From what I hear, you talk about one all the time. One of the best time. companies in the world. You're enjoying what you're doing. But talk a little bit about what you're doing, maybe tell our listeners, what do you do on a day-to-day basis? What yep. is your job like? Yep. So uh, I'm in sales. I work for Striker. I sell medical devices in their cranial maxillofacial or their CMF division. What does that mean? Um, that basically <laughs> means any type of reconstruction to your, your head. So cranial okay. reconstruction, you broke your jaw, um, jaw surgery, um, tumor removals. We also do some open heart surgery stuff. Um, was working in San Francisco, uh, same same role, same position. Um, Strikers and a, a fantastic company. Uh, I had there's leadership that really took care of me. Uh, I, you know, I worked really hard, and they saw that, and, and they did a really good job of taking care of me. I'm very in debt to them. They moved me back to Fresno. Um, so yeah, man, I, I think that what I want to start off with is transparency in your job. Mm. So when I was in San Francisco working for Striker, uh, I got married in February. And I, I just really wanted to move home. I wanted, I just got married. I wanted to live with my wife, right? What's, what's wrong with that? Right. And I believe in being 100% completely and fully transparent as, as much as you possibly can be. And 
I've always that way with striker, and they took care of me. So move back to Fresno. And so what I do is I basically am in charge of a portfolio of medical devices, and all all, all in my specific division. And it is my job to uh, do what our model says. Together with our customers, we are driven to make healthcare better. And so that's what we do. We take products and services. Um, well, mainly products. We are the service, mm-hmm. and we, we get those in the hands of the surgeons uh, that need them the most, that want them the most, and the patients that need them the most. Uh, so yeah, that's what I do on a daily basis. I'm in the OR. I'll be in the OR tomorrow morning, nice. doing a little oral surgery at Kaiser here in Fresno, and uh, we're we're picking back up. That's awesome. So what does that process look like? So you're you go into an OR. Yep. What is your? I don't know if you're. I don't know if there's any secrecy on what you're allowed to talk about or anything. Mm-hmm. But what is your procedure what do you what do you start with what do you what's kind of your standard protocol yeah so that well, you do so uh, on a daily basis uh we have you know we, we have people that work at the hospitals and right. they're our friends that we work with and they'll reach out to us let us know we have, we have doctors that they'll use our stuff they're okay. either they're contracted or they really like us and they just want to use our stuff and, and that's our goal is to have doctors want to use our stuff and so do the doctors decide do, do the doctors decide to use striker products or is it the hospital overall as like a business it's a good balance okay it's a good balance so the hospitals and the doctors so some docs are um, employed by the hospital okay and some docs are not employed by the hospital they're private practice guys so they you know typically if you're employed by the hospital you, you know you get to use uh, you have to use what the hospital provides. But a lot of times, you know, if you can prove to a doctor that you know, whatever you're doing has, has great patient benefit, they'll use it. Or if you can show the hospital there's some cost savings or there's some clinical data that you're, you're promoting, um, then, then the hospital will be keen to get your stuff in the hospital. But awesome. to, so back to my, my you know, daily basis, they'll let us know. Got a procedure. Uh, so tomorrow we're doing a little oral surgery uh, stuff tomorrow uh, with the doctor at Kaiser and they let us know. We're going to show up in the morning and, and we're going to be inside the OR uh, with the doctor, making sure just every, you know, our, our, we're not surgeons, we're nothing like that. Uh, we just want to make sure things go safe. We want to make sure our surgeons are taken care of and, and just to build a good relationship. Awesome. I, I think that makes a good company too. You know, you 100%. want to, you have to build, it's all about relationships. Yep. We've talked about this yep. many times. Especially before. in this, and in this industry. Yeah. If you know, because there's only so many surgeons, right? And, you know, you do one wrong thing. You do something bad. You do something wrong. You forget to put a certain plate or screw or instrumentation or something in the set. Um, you know, your your docs are going to be upset at you. And that's a relationship you don't want to lose. Right. And so you're really on your toes. It really, it really teaches you the um, the need to. You want to build trust. You want to build trust. Yeah. And, and so absolutely. it really teaches you how much the details matter. You can't. I mean, you really can't get away without paying attention to the details. This is neurosurgery. This is a very high stakes environment, and that you've worked a lot to to build and cultivate. And it's up to you to make sure that that is taken care of. That your docs are taken care of. So yeah. So I'm, I'm, tomorrow I'll be in. I'll be in the OR, for, you know, for a little bit. They're starting. To, they're starting to open cases up a little bit. I think we're talking to some hospitals today. They're about fifty percent uh, in terms of OR capacity, not beds capacity. It's different, but they're from what they were doing in the OR beforehand. Yeah. They're at about back about 50%. So, so go into that a little bit. How has the coronavirus pandemic, the crisis, how has that impacted your, not, not only your role specifically, but your company totally. and hospitals overall? I mean, maybe talk a little bit about that because I'm sure we have healthcare yep. professionals, nurses, um, aspiring nurses, yeah. aspiring doctors listening who 
are looking at this and saying, wow, you know, if another situation like this happens in my lifetime, yeah. how will I be impacted? Yeah. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So one, Strikers, um, Strikers ran by uh, the CEO's Kevin Lobo. And he is a fantastic, I mean, he, I, I really pay attention to what he says. He's a fantastic businessman. Um, he's the chair of Advamed, and he kind of is on the front lines of what are the massive medical device manufacturers doing. Um, so Stryker, you know, first and foremost is a, is a great company. They're outpacing their competition yeah. uh, throughout the first quarter of the year. Our quarter results just came out and we, we did really well. Uh, I mean, not sorry. We didn't do really well. We didn't hit our targets at all. But in, in comparison to the way to, to our competition, we did we did relatively well. Okay. But in terms of reaction to the coronavirus, um, one of the biggest divisions of Striker is beds. Mm-hmm. So if you're ever in a hospital, the beds department is you know it's called it's just Striker Capital uh, Surgical. I think, yeah, I think it's called Striker Surgical. And basically, you know, they came out and said we're going to halt production of beds and we're going to create a low cost coronavirus based. Uh, ICU bed, and we're going to sell it cheap, and we're going to get into the. And they did; they were, they were cranking out hundreds a day, or whatever they were doing. They were really getting after it. In terms of the hospitals, what most people don't know about hospitals is that they make all of their money from surgery, right? Elective surgeries are uh, huge, huge. And yeah. when when you when the government comes in and they cancel everything, and they say you need to have an occupancy uh, occupancy rate of a certain amount or this many available beds or whatever. I mean, it's hurting hospitals. And what sucks the most is you have uh, patients, uh, not, not patients, um, nurses, you have scrub techs, you have cafeteria workers. There's a lot. Hospitals are huge businesses. And now these people are getting furloughed. Uh, they're getting sent, sent away. They're getting what's called flexed, which is they come on for a day and they leave. And they come on for a day and they leave. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're, they're really hurting, man. I mean, hospitals, they're no joke. I mean, they're, they're trying their hardest to get back to work. And it's not only impacted us as a medical device manufacturer, but it's impacted our customers. Like, you know, people don't understand. Like, we, I really care about my customers. I really care about them. I care about their families. I care about their vitality. Right. And if you're a private practice guy and you can't do procedures and now all of your money for your family's wiped washed out or all the nurses, uh, the scrub techs that I've built relationships with in my hospitals that they don't get to go to work, which means they don't get to get paid, which means they don't, their families have less money, which means their retirement accounts aren't filled up. And so it's been, um, specifically for, for me in, in my realm in terms of, you know, the monetary medical device, side, I can't, I can't speak to the frontline. I can't speak to the frontline workers. Um, we're in California, so we didn't get as hit as hard as New York and all these other places. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, you know, it's it's been a big hit. I think we're going to get back. I think we'll be okay. But yeah, that's what that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, kind of in my work world, a lot of people in government and, you know, a lot of hearings, people, you know, government officials have been questioning and bringing up respond what has the response been like? What are the successes? What are totally. the failures? Um and you know, a lot of people are being critical of the response saying you know what? Hospitals are laying people off. They're empty. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of activity. And now they're going to need money from the government basically yeah. to help reimburse them or mitigate these costs totally. um, that have been incurred by the government. So I'm kind of curious, you know, you've been in a lot of hospitals in the Bay Area. Now you're starting it to in the Central Valley and the Central mm-hmm. Coast. You know, do you think that the coronavirus response was a good one for hospitals and for people in the med device industry or even in the whole medical field. Do you think 
it was, do you, do you see it and say, you know what, I'm glad we prepared and we made sure that there was enough space or do you see it as, you know what, this was an overreaction mm -hmm. or somewhere in between? What so, do you think? So, so one, I'm wholly unqualified to to answer I, that I know. I, I know. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm I'm just small curious. Man I'm curious to hear your, I'm a very uh, small, small man on this totem pole. Right. I'm um, curious to hear your thoughts. My thought though. process is the initial reaction was understood. I understand it. You know, it, it, you, we didn't know it was going to happen. And I'm, I'm the kind of guy where it's, a, I'm, I'm a better safe than sorry guy. Yeah. Um, okay. And so for me, I, I think the initial reaction was, was, you know, I thought it was well received. The hospitals understood what was going on. Right. Um, at first, everybody was yeah. on board. And now it's been how, 80 days. How many days is it? It's been, it's been well a, over a, two months. Two now. months. And so, you know, I've, I've seen some hospitals that are at very low occupancies. Um, they're, they're not even half full. They have half their beds open. Yeah. And, um, they're, and they're doing that for, to prepare just in case something happens. So I totally understand why they're doing it. Um, but yeah, I don't, you know, I don't really have anything to say in terms of that. I just don't want to answer because I'm not qualified to make that answer. I, you know I'm saying? No, that makes I don't sense. Wanna, I don't want my foot in my mouth. Um, that makes sense. But I do think there's a lot of things to learn. I think, I think we all we all set back in terms of um, not only the healthcare facilities themselves. Um, you know, for instance, there's a, there's a thing. You know, people always talk about why aren't these medical facilities supplied with more surgical masks? Well, people don't understand is these hospitals are businesses. They're not going. They don't store hundreds of thousands of surgical masks in the just hospitals. Just in case. Not, yeah. that, and there's not even space. Where are you going to put 100,000 masks? Yeah. Right? These hospitals You're going to have to get a Daryl's mini store yeah, or something. Yeah. And, <laughs> if, and, if, and the if, they only, if these hospitals only make money from surgery, it's, it's extremely financially difficult um, to have that. So maybe a government store of surgical supplies, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just don't want to answer that question. Just I don't, I don't really have all the data. I don't have I think a, that's a fair. Good, a good, I haven't really thought that through. So. I think that's fair. I think I was just curious on kind of, you know, your perspective. And I think nobody really has an answer. Nobody does. Nobody, oh, now, not now, even the top, some of the top health officials in our nation are like, we don't know. I can say this from we the medical know. device side. Um, you know, it, it pays to be prepared. It really does pay. And, and Stryker was prepared. Really. Yeah. I mean, we were in a financial position that a lot of other companies weren't. And, um, I'm very thankful, but beyond literally, dude, beyond belief, not only did Stryker move me back home during the coronavirus, yeah, but they they let me keep my job. Now, to be honest, I would work for free if they were like, "Hey, Connor, I need you to, I can't, we can't pay you anymore to lay you off." I would tell whoever it is, I would beg them and plead them, I'll work for free to stay at this company. That's how good this this job is. This company is, yeah, um, but they're prepared. Um, they have multiple market segments um, that are that would that allow them to have a certain level of continuation through this process. So some of our some of our lines are actually doing really well. Um, a majority of them aren't. So for the medical device side, I think they, people, some people learned a lot. I think, I think um, we you know this is anytime it's like the Great Depression, the financial recession, um, the coronavirus recession. Anytime a business or a financial markets have some sort of turmoil, we get to learn. Right, and so as we go as we go along, we get more information and we get more data on what's possible. Nobody thought this was possible. Nobody. I've been studying financial crashes my whole life: the Great Recession, right, inflation in the eighties, how how how, how um, two thousand eight was actually started in the eighties with subprime mortgages or mortgages being packaged into bonds and sold off. Like I've studied this never in a million years that I ever ever think. Yeah, that this kind of recession would happen. And so it's just more data for us to kind of go off of and understand, right. 
okay, this is something that can happen. And now I think companies understand talent. I think companies really are understanding how important it is to have good people. And I think it's really important for companies to understand that, you know, they as an organization, even though running lean is important, you need to have something in the tank. It's like personal finance. Right. right? Like a lot of people are getting hit hard right now because yeah. they didn't have that emergency fund, that Dave Ramsey emergency fund, son. Yeah. Go listen to Dave Ramsey. He'll teach you how to do it. You know what? We're we're going Gina and I are doing the class yeah. right now. Yeah, dude, Great class. Yeah. You gotta have something in the bank to hold you hold you up when times get tough. Highly recommend it. Um so, you know, I think you brought up a number of interesting points and um, I kind of want to go over them a little bit. So you said that you were transparent with your employer, yeah, which is super important. So I kind important. of went through the same thing. I was like, look, I love Sacramento, love working for you, but my life is in Fresno. That's I'm going pre- to preamble this with work your butt off. Yeah. So as a thing, you can be transparent as, mu- as much as you want, but if you don't have the chops, you don't have you, the capital. To be I was able to working say, 14 hours a day, 10 months out of for my first 10 months on the job. So, I mean, work hard, get after it and, but also be transparent. Anyways, continue. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. So talk a little bit about maybe the importance of that. What can people do who are listening when maybe they're in the same situation, they're in the same scenario where either a, they're working maybe in another territory, they yep. want to move back. Yeah. B, maybe they are in a position and they want to be in another position. Yeah. Maybe it's lateral. Maybe they're moving up. Who knows? Yep. It could be anything. What do you recommend? What did you do? Maybe if you're comfortable talking about yeah. it or what are just some brief points that they can employ in their conversations with yeah. their boss about, yeah. Hey, look, this is where I'm at. This is where I want to be. Totally. Because, what does that look like? Yeah. So I mean, um, become valuable. I mean, be, be really valuable. Be seen as someone who is humble in what they do. Um, if you're really good at what you do, but you're kind of a jerk about it and you let everyone know, that's not fun. Nobody yeah. wants to work with that guy. Totally. Um, so bring value, but be humble. Um, be willing to learn and don't live in a cocoon. You know, so like don't live like if we're in Fresno, don't just know the Fresno people. Like go meet your manager. And you know, I, I, my, my manager, Grant and I, who's, I love him to death. He's just a great guy. Well, he's my old manager, my new manager is Nate, but I love the guy to death. He and I would have phone calls every week, every two weeks. I would just talk to him. I just, you know, he would call me and ask me like what it is that I'm working through. Uh, what are the challenges I'm facing? What are the things I want? And um, so yeah, bring value and then build your brand and then communicate with people. Like just, yeah. just be open and honest with your communication. Now you don't want to be overly honest. Like you got, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you know, you got, you got to be, you don't want to be blunt. Yeah. You want to be, but you want to convey your true thoughts and intentions. Totally. With your boss. Yep. So that way they know where your heart's at, where your head's at. Totally. And maybe they'll reciprocate the same trust to you. Yep. So that's, I think that's really important. Huge. Um, well, you know, I think it's definitely an interesting time to be working in your field right now. Yes. And I would just say, you know, what, any final thoughts, any final words that you'd like to kind of share with our listeners today on what is some, what is some inspiration to carry them through? I think a lot of people are falling on hard times right now. Great. What can they do? Iron sharpens iron. I'm leaning into the mic. Iron sharpens iron. Nothing good ever. Okay. When you just ate a meal, are you hungry? No. Could you just ate? 
Gary Vee, I literally listened to Gary Vee. I'll say it again on the podcast. He said, you're not hungry if you're fed. Right. Okay. So hard times, everybody right now, everybody that I see, they're sitting at home, they're getting lazy, they're not working, they're not studying, they're not producing. We started a podcast in quarantine. Everyone's at home watching Netflix, doing <laughs> just being lazy, man. And I think that when times get tough and things get hard, I want you to jump further in. I want you to do more. I want you to get up earlier, work harder, work out faster, work out more, talk to more people, build more things, build more relationships. I just, dude, I just don't think, I think hard times are good times. I'm be honest with you. I don't, I don't think that I, you know, I will preamble that with saying, obviously things suck right now. Yeah. Right? Some people are losing houses, losing, can't, can't pay food, can't pay their mortgage. Stocks are going down. Right. But what now? What are you going to do now? You're going to sit at home and sulk? Are you going to sit there and not do anything? Yeah. That's not going to change anything. So if you're at home, you don't have a job, you don't, your life sucks, and something's happened to you, um, someone's passed away, or whatever, sitting around and sulking won't do anything for you. Right. There is a grieving process. There is a grieving process. But, but I, I hear what you're saying. What you can control. You can't control the fact that the government shut the entire country down, or that a pandemic swept through the world. You can't control those things. So if I can't control them, but I'm so like, oh, darn it. The, the pandemic has cost my company to have lose, close its doors and show. Okay, it did. But what are you going to do about it? Yeah. You know what? I love the people that are being innovative right now. People <sighs> like, I, you know, there's somebody, somebody was telling me the other day um, that they are creating, they got laid off from their job and they're like, great. What am I supposed to do? Figuring it out. I had a wedding. They were going to get married like a week ago. And they were going to graduate, I think, like a week ago, too. So graduation was canceled. Wedding was canceled. No job. They started their own grocery delivery business. That's genius. They said, you know what? I am just going to do my own. And there's, Do- you know, DoorDash and all these whatever. other things, whatever. I'm just going to do my own thing with the people that It'll I know. They'll probably blow up if they keep working hard. And you know what? Tons of people have used this person. And she's just killing it. So I think those types of things are huge because – you have to be innovative to survive. And I think without that innovation, without that creativity, you're just going to fall by the wayside. I'll, and it's hard. It's yeah, tough. Totally. It's really tough. But you know what? I always think it could be worse. Yeah. People like, you know, I don't know about your family, but I know my grandparents, they talk about stories where they Dude, had virtually nothing. nothing. For, to World War II vets? And here I am. Looking at us you know, like, oh, you guys are weak. You know, I'm driving in my truck. I'm, I'm driving around. Air I'm like, you know what? On. I have so much to be thankful yes. for. And even when things are tough, we have come such a long way compared to past generations. So I think there's a lot to be thankful for. Be grateful. Be appreciative. Yeah. Be innovative. Yeah. So that's huge. Uh, yeah. Dude, also, how yeah. about the companies that innovated before the coronavirus? That are crushing it now. Yeah. All those huge. companies. Oh, the internet's not going to take all of our jobs. It's not going to change the way we live life until a pandemic hits. You know, you know, it's interesting you say that. So before I saw a lot of, you know, mom and pop restaurants around Fresno that didn't have a website or anything. Now I see some small restaurants with immaculate websites. DoorDash is all it over looks the place. So yeah. it looks sophisticated. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is huge. But they learned, they're like, look, we want to survive. People like our food, but yep. we have to create an innovate or an die. efficient system. Yep. This is business. So, this isn't like, you know, like you got to innovate or it's yeah. going to take your lunch. So 
you know what? I think it's huge. I hope that people are hanging in there. I know it's a tough time, but I really appreciate you, Connor, sharing kind of your insights today totally. and talking about what you're doing, yeah. how it's impacted you and, you know, sharing some insights moving forward. So I hope that when things return to normal here soon, we can have the format that we want on this podcast we can have our coffee we can have our um our guests i I reordered the jura the jura should be here on friday good okay if the jura is not here on friday i'll be i will be pissed i won't buy a jura i'll just fold jurors out of a tray or whatever right that's okay and to the people that are listening that um that aren't our 